of ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to this edition of Hoist the Colors on this Wednesday, October 11th show. Heading into East Carolina and SMU as the Pirates are getting set to host the SMU Mustangs on Thursday for a big conference game looking to get back on track after the bye week. SMU also coming off a of bye week, so we're going to talk a lot about that. We're live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and live on Twitter. If you've got a question for us, drop it here. We'll get to it over the next hour as we uh, roll on to the show. We're going to talk a lot about ECU's chances going into the SMU game, their possibility of winning, even as a double-digit dog. We're also going to talk some college football, American football, and some MLB playoffs, as painful as it is for Bobby Harward, Orioles fan, as he is in studio. So, Bobby, how you doing, other than the fact your Orioles have been officially eliminated from the postseason? Good. You know, uh, that was rough. Uh, it kind of sucks because I got false hope. The pitching right. had seemed to turn it around towards the end of the year, and I had always feared they'd get swept. But exciting times ahead for Birdland. Uh, hurricanes open up tonight, so excited for that. Hockey's back. Sweet shirt, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Representing the Hurricanes. And then, uh, yeah, just refreshed after the bye week. It was nice to enjoy football Saturday and Sunday, and even though the Panthers lost. But, yeah, tough tough times, I guess, for your sports it's teams. brutal. But at least you do have a bright future with the Orioles. We'll talk a little bit more MLB playoffs later. We'll get into the O's and, and what happened against Texas. It makes me sick to my stomach that it's looking like an Astros-Rangers ALCS as a Mariners fan. That's just absolutely disgusting. Uh, so we'll talk about that later. All right, let's talk East Carolina and SMU. Uh, Bobby used to be on staff at East Carolina under Ruff McNeil, so you're, you're very familiar with this game and with SMU style of play, the biggest thing that jumped out to me preparing for this game and kind of writing about it is SMU, we know a lot about their offense, and we'll talk about that, but defensively, seven of their 11 starters came from the transfer portal, and they're holding teams to 18 points a game, 315 yards a game, and they've played Oklahoma, who they held to 28. I think it was like 14-11 to start the fourth quarter. And they held uh, TCU. They gave up 34, but if you look at that game, you know they didn't really get gashed. And then otherwise, they haven't given up. <coughs> excuse me, a single game over 30 points. So defensively is where they've really, really been good this year. That's that's shocking, as yeah. you said. That's kind of you know when we played SMU early on, that was you know they were they were rolling. And then even you know in the last few years before Rhett Lashley got there, it was Sonny Dykes, Garrett Riley, former ECU receivers coach, was the offensive coordinator there before they left for TCU. So they've always been pretty stout offensively. Uh, that is kind of my concern going into the game, right. knowing our struggles with uh, our offense. So I'd feel a little bit better if they kind of were uh, had all those leaks defensively like they've had in the past. But who knows? Maybe we've made some changes in the bye week, adjusted some things, and, and hopefully things uh, look better. Hopefully they're hyped to play on a Thursday night. That's exciting as well. So uh, we'll see. Donnie Kirkpatrick said you can really erase. And maybe not totally erase, but I can't remember the exact word he said. But basically, you know, make some people forget about the 1-4 and four star by winning on Thursday night. Like if you go out, you play a good game, specifically offensively, if they go out and score points and win the game in impressive fashion – 
over a good SMU team, you can get the good vibes back quickly. So when you look at it from that standpoint, there, there's still a lot to play for. I mean, and it's not like ECU doesn't have a shot. You know, we were talking prior to the show. Like, I go into this game, and I was talking about it on yesterday's show. I uh, I picked ECU to win last week. I've already changed my prediction <laughs> after diving further into SMU. Like, I don't feel like this is a great matchup. But ECU still has a shot. And, like, even as bad as it got during the Scotty Montgomery era, like, there were times there where, like, I, I, I went into a game knowing ECU didn't have a shot to win. And it's gotten bad this year, 1-4, but I still feel like ECU can win this game. Yeah, there's definitely hope. I think that's that's what we can hold on to as fans and, and hoping that Mike Houston teams have improved throughout the year. I think that's, yeah. you know, one one cool thing about his coaching philosophy and coaching style is that his teams normally continue to improve uh, throughout the year. I think the other hope is I feel like SMU's kind of always laid an egg when they've come into Dowdy Fickle. Uh, I mean, I know early on in Houston's era, we, we beat them pretty good here at home uh, that year when Garrett Riley was calling plays yeah, for them. So, yeah, it was uh, kind of that was unexpected. So I hope we get, you know, an un- unexpected surprise here on Thursday night. Hopefully uh, the fans will do a great job of showing out the student section showing out those black uniforms are pretty freaking sharp so that's going to be uh you know hype up the players for sure um again if we can create some turnovers on defense if we can consistently move the ball on offense it's going to give ourselves a chance essentially limiting our turnovers creating turnovers again uh for smu i think that's the recipe last week we predicted the rest of ecu's schedule uh you guys had ecu would you have three and nine or four and eight? Three and nine. Three yep. and nine. Oh, it's a number nobody wants to see again. No. Uh, Philip, I think he had four or five. Yeah. Maybe we both had, had five and seven. I think I had four. I can okay. look it up. I'll get the laptop out. And get back to you. Yeah, I had five and seven. Uh, Michael Jones on YouTube says, "Here's Bobby to protect ECU fans, lighting Ward on fire." Uh, apparently, he thinks you're a negative guy, which too also like you're being realistic too. Like we haven't seen a lot. From East Carolina, given the schedule ahead, to be, you know, super positive. And again, like ECU's, they've been underdogs in every single FBS game this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. And that's going to continue for the majority of the rest of the way if they keep playing like they have. Yeah, and I would love nothing more to come in next Wednesday and be like, I was completely wrong. Right. I would love that. Uh, as a fan, I want them to win, want them to have success. But, you know, watching these first five games or so, I mean, what have they shown or proven offensively? Because each week, kind of up until this point, I've been waiting, okay, things are going to turn around, things are going to click at some point, and they haven't yet. Then you play Rice, you lose to Rice, and then Rice goes and gets smoked by UConn. So how does that really give you any optimism? App State lost last night to Coastal Carolina. So it's just one of those things, some, some of those teams you try to rationalize early on of why we lost, but as the year goes on, those teams don't look very good either. So that's that's where my hesitancy is. Again, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope we come back next Wednesday and are talking about a pirate win. I mean, it's very fair points because I was honestly thinking Rice was a not a good team, but like an improved team. And look, they still beat Houston, but how good is Houston? Um, after watching Rice in person, I didn't think they were very good. I did think they would beat UConn, but it's like I was feeling like somewhat rejuvenated from the bye. And then I saw that score. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then I saw App last night make some big mistakes at the wrong time, mistakes that. For whatever reason, teams aren't making against ECU right now, which some of that is due to you know the, the pressure that you're you're put on if teams are scoring more points, which ECU is not. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly interesting. Um, 
and we'll, we'll see how it transpires. You know, I made the title of this show, What Are what the ECU's Chances of Beating SMU? The line in Vegas has moved a ton. I think it opened at like 8 or 9, or opened actually at 10 or 11, then went back to 7, 8, 9. Now it's back up to 12 and a half. So a lot of people are heavy on SMU. And one of the more interesting things I, I discovered researching SMU, we talked about the good defensive numbers. They have only forced two turnovers through five games. They also only have seven sacks. But if you look at their numbers, according to Pro Football Focus, they are the number one team in the country in pass rush grade. So they are consistently pressuring uh, pressuring opposing quarterbacks. ECU is last out of 133 teams in pass protection grade. So I, I, I didn't realize that until me and Joe were talking yesterday, and I looked it up live on the air, and I'm like, I was leaning towards changing my prediction, but after I saw that, I'm like, I'm definitely changing my prediction now because that worries the heck out of me, and that's going to create a lot of problems. That's concerning. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. Hopefully, you know, the answer to that is quick game, getting the ball out as fast as possible, uh, being able to develop a, a solid run game that you can rely on throughout all 60 minutes. But if they can get the ball out quick, that's how you neutralize the pass right. rush. Pass rush, excuse me. Uh, are we going to get some playmakers out wide finally? Is Chase going to continue to improve? Who else are we going to go to in the slots? You know, are we going to utilize Shane Calhoun or are we going to leave him in the block? You know, those are some yeah. answers the coaching staff are going to have to figure out this week as they game plan. Uh, the, the thing too with coming off the bye week, really their schedule isn't going to change. They're not losing practice days. So that I think Houston has already mentioned that in the presser on Monday, kind of what day it is for them is a little different. So that's a good thing. It's not truly a short week, so they've had a full time to prepare. It looks like Tyler Savage, who is kind of another tight end piece, could be back this week. Antonio Ferguson probably out another week. But that to me, I, I think this is the uh, you know this is the, the chess match you have. Do you keep Calhoun in for Max Protect, uh, or you know do you do some different things with the backs? And I feel like you have to because after after Rice just torched ECU up front, SMU is going to have better personnel. They've got two transfers from Miami up front. They got a Temple transfer as their leading tackler. They got uh, another transfer on the back end. I can't remember what school he's from, but he's a Power Five transfer. So they got real talent. They got real dudes. Rice did, you know, they were taking guys from private schools or uh, as transfers or, or stuff like that. So you're going to face better talent here. And what do you do if you're the coaches? Do you keep Calhoun in the block or do you try to utilize a guy like Savage? Again, I'm not sure how healthy he is. But do you try to use more two tight end sets? But then that that potentially limits you in the route tree too, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, the, I, I think you see a little bit of both. I, I probably lean more towards eleven personnel, right. which is one running back, one tight end. Uh, maybe seeing a lot of boots, a lot of play action, play action, and hopefully hesitating those rushers as well as uh, boot and getting outside of the pocket. So you you know you're breaking out of the pocket. Those guys are having to chase you. It also allows your tight end to at least get a little chip or seal off the edge and then release out into the flats right. as a safety valve. So maybe those are some things that they'll do. I wonder, you know, two back is one thing that I've thought about this week, 20 personnel with, with both Bond and Harris back in the backfield. Um, maybe we'll see some, you know, formations like that uh, this week as well, having a week to prepare or, excuse me, a bye week to prepare. Yeah, and I think you'll see some different stuff. I don't know what exactly it'll be, but I just I can't imagine – East Carolina went to this bye week and was like, all right, what we're doing offensively is working, so let's keep it all the same. And we'll see what the new wrinkles are. I, I said earlier this week, too, like I can see ECU starting fast in this game, 
But then my concern is, can they sustain it? And that's, you know, against a team that more than likely is more talented when you look at NIL and all that stuff, it, that concerns me too. Maybe you can start fast on a Thursday night with some momentum, but then you're going to run into some issues. Yeah, and and I hope too, can we create an explosive play? That's, yeah. that's the other thing we've been missing. I saw this. Uh, tweeted out this week, uh, Barrett Saley, uh, I haven't fact-checked this or not, but there are four teams in the country without a single pass play over 40 yards. I'm going to guess East Carolina. East Carolina is obviously on there. Iowa, who probably has the most Iowa. abysmal You don't want to be tied with anything in Iowa offense. No. Minnesota, uh, Greg Harbaugh, I think his dad is an ECU alum, is uh, the OC out there at Minnesota, but we know what they like to do, 13 personnel. Yeah. That sort of stuff. And then San Diego State is the third. So ECU's on that list. Former um, ECU uh, head coaching candidate, uh, what's his name? Used to be at Michigan. Oh, yes. Brady Hope. Yeah, yeah. Brady Hope. Wow. So gosh. You got to tie there with everybody almost. So. God, well, that was just such terrible to, <laughs> to remember of who our coaching candidates were after Ruff got fired. And oh, then Brady we Hope. saw where we ended. Um, uh, Grant Matthews on YouTube says, Bobby's realness keeps me going. A friend of the show, Grant. Is it, he's the guy I saw at Firehouse, so yeah, I believe yeah. Tom. Yep. Grant's a good buddy of mine. Uh, diehard Pirate. I think he's pumped for the ECU basketball scrimmage tomorrow. Yeah, I'm ready to get out there for that. It's 5 to 6.30. Uh, that'll be before the game. Uh, Michael Jones also says, if you predict the record Bobby predicted last week, which was 3-9, and nine, you should probably be demanding some coaches be let go. Can't predict the 3-9 and nine season. Think all the coaches should remain employed. I mean, I think that... Kind of goes without saying. I mean, yeah. Uh, if you go three and nine with the standard coach Houston has set, there's going to be some changes. I mean, that's just the reality. I, th- I think you're right. I, I don't want to predict who or what or any of that stuff. Just yeah. the nature of it. Uh, also being close with some of those people right. on the staff. But yeah, if it's three and nine, you're going to see changes. We saw it with Houston's first year and and you know letting go of Trot. Sure, there's probably you know going to be some philosophy changes offensively as well. I don't know if we see necessarily from a schematic standpoint next year the same thing we saw this year. So uh, yeah. there are a lot of changes that could potentially be on the horizon. You know what, what's intriguing as well is if, if we do win this game. I mean, you see to your point last week, you see a path. It, right. It's just, yeah. There's seven games left, and like I get it. Like our job is you know people who. who are now outside the program and cover the sport and fans they want to talk about this stuff but the reality is you know realistically ECU's probably not going to win seven in a row but the coaches look at it as how can we win this game how can we then win the next game they take a one game at a time even coach Houston I'm sure there are thoughts that enter his head but he's trying to figure out a way to turn this team around this with this staff so that's just more of an off-season, end-of-season question. I understand why we talk about it, why fans are interested in it, but that's just—it's kind of one of those things we can talk about it now, but nothing's going to happen until after the season or towards the end of the season. Yeah, especially if if they go a full bye week without making a change. Right. Now, granted, I think uh, that helped uh, certain staff members in this situation with the the bye week being so early because it, it's really hard. You're essentially throwing in the towel when you do that for right. the rest of the year. So. Um, if it was later in the season, do we see a change? Maybe. But again, who likes specifically talking offensively? I know that's been one that fans have asked about a lot. Who else calls plays? You got Montgomery, uh, on staff, mm-hmm. but, you know, outside of that, you really don't have much experience from the play calling standpoint. Again, if we continue down this path, finish three and nine, I think there will be a lot of changes from coaching staff, schematics, Personnel, you're going to see, I'm sure, the portal hit pretty hard uh, to, yeah. to fill in some gaps. So we could be looking at a completely different Pirate offense next year, but hopefully, you know, let's just 
ourselves as well here. Take it one week at a time, and let's worry about SMU and, and figure out a way to get a win Thursday night. SMU is on the clock. We'll continue to preview that game. We also got a couple of questions on Facebook about Mason Garcia. I asked Coach Kirkpatrick about Mason, so we'll talk about that on the other side. We will uh, be right back on this Wednesday edition of Hoist the Colors. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Matey. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back to the show on this Wednesday. It is a Bobby Harward Wednesday. He is brought to us by Basil's today. Check him out, 1675 East Fire Tower Road by the movie theater. Great spot for lunch. I'm a huge fan of the hibachi skewer salad and uh, a lot of good pasta pizza there as well you said you got the skewer salad recently right i did yeah, yeah. it was really good i kept hearing you uh say it over the airwaves and so i was like you know what i'll give it a try and yeah it was delicious yeah a lot, a lot of good shrimp chicken in there uh pair it with the white sauce good every time so check them out basil's uh, great spot on fire tower road all right let's get back into this discussion we're talking about ecu smu we will talk mlb playoffs college football and uh nfl maybe a little bit later as well we got some questions about Mason Garcia, and Jay on Facebook says, watching Coastal Carolina versus App last night, he could not help but think that our offense would look more like theirs with Mason Garcia this year. I'd heard comments from coaches that the offense would be built more around Mason's talents. He wants to know our thoughts on that. I know we can't install option football overnight, but Grayson McCall has a similar skill set. And, you know, definitely, I mean, the, the system you're in, Bobby, you know this well, uh, has a lot to do with, you know, your quarterback performance. You want to put your guys in the best position to succeed. We've definitely seen the offense maybe operate a little bit differently with Mason Garcia in there versus Alex Flynn. Even Coastal, though, has changed a lot. You know, going from Jamie Chadwell's true option-based system, you know, spread option to Tim Beck's more – traditional system but they incorporated some more option stuff last night but his numbers have taken a dive speaking to mccall this year really until last night so the system you're in playing to your quarterback strengths that that does have a lot to do with you know the success you have agreed and i I think you know their situation is a little unique in that you know tim beck came in from nc state and you know mccall was already there so i know mccall had you know entered the portal and then came out and whatnot but uh he he chose to return so it's not like a guy that beck recruited i think what makes the situation a little different with ecu is you know they recruited mason garcia they've been trying to groom mason garcia i think uh whenever you change quarterbacks even if it's the same coaching staff like it should look different. Our, this offense should look different than what it looked like with Holt Nailers because any good coach is going to adjust to what their players do well. And so it should look a little bit different year in and year out, and especially when you get a new quarterback. I think kudos to Tim Beck. I think he realized, you know, starting the year, he was trying to force some of his offense on McCall. And to his credit, he adjusted. And, you know, obviously they got the win last night. I think they're 3-3 three and three now, I believe. Yep, 3-3. Three and three. They were coming off. I think losses the Georgia Southern and another Sun Belt team, so they had struggled a little bit. Yeah, so again, kudos to him. Um, I think that's what's been a little disappointing here at ECU is, 
You know, it just they they have changed some things schematically, but in the run game again, don't get me wrong, has looked very good with Mason Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, is specifically quarterback run that fits his skill set, but you just you wish there was a little bit more there in the pass game. Uh, WJ O'Connor on Facebook says Logan speaking to Steve Logan. Check him out, Logan's own every uh, Friday five to six here on ninety four three the game. And uh, our talk stations as well. He says, Logan ran some option here to really help keep the defenses honest. Maybe install an option package with Garcia. He also says the air raid is quarterback friendly. Maybe Garcia could function in an easier system. So, I mean, two different wavelengths there. You you just don't see a lot of traditional option these days. Like you see more RPOs, um, you know, some option stuff. You know, it is interesting that Army and Air Force and even Navy now are transitioning to more of the spread option. You know, definitely Navy has this year, Army has this year as well. So I don't know if you could maybe look at some of that stuff and try to pull from it, but it, you can't go entirely to that. I mean, it's just maybe a, a play or two, but it's hard to just kind of revamp your whole whole system. Yeah, you, you can't revamp it. It's also what makes the option unique is the blocking is a little bit different schematically. So, um, you know, you, you've mentioned those service academies, and a big reason they get those guys is because, A, they have height res- restrictions when they get into school. They can't re- recruit offensive linemen that are but so tall. And then, you, and with quarterbacks, they're, they're probably not the most, uh, the, the strongest arms. So, you know, you're trying to find ways that you can get an advantage, uh, for smaller teams and stuff. That, that's what you're able to use to neutralize other teams and bigger opponents. Um, I think to your point, they're even spreading out more. I mean, they're not as traditional, you know, wing T, wishbone, whatever you want to call it type offense with three backs, everybody, you know, four, four point stances up front. They're spreading things out and motioning, um, trying to create some, some extra gaps and confusion there. Uh, but yeah, I think also when you include the air raid realm into it, it makes right. it a little bit, uh, difficult. I, I would to the air raid point, I would like to see some more empty just to make it easier on Mason, uh, to, in terms of his reads and stuff pre-snap. You would think if, again, like I'm expecting Alex Flynn to start, but if you go into a game like this where you're outmatched a little bit up front, tempo, going empty, making things easier, keeping the defense on his heels, that would be maybe a way to neutralize it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to try to play Mason in a game like this. And, uh, speaking of that, let's get to this cut from Donnie Kirkpatrick. So, uh, I went out to practice Monday. Again, Flynn, Mason were both getting reps, uh, and I expect maybe both to play, but I expect Flynn to start definitely. But I asked Donnie basically where is Mason at right now? Two snaps out of 88 in the most recent game against Rice. So here is Donnie Kirkpatrick talking about Mason Garcia's mentality as the Pirates head into game number six. You know, he's handling it good, though. Obviously, you know, he's disappointed because everybody, you know, wants to be the guy. And then once you are the guy, you know, and then you're not the guy. It's even worse, I think. But he's handling well. He's practicing really well. I look for him to play more this week. I, I would like to have gotten him in more last week. It's just the game didn't dictate that. I, I, we did put him in with the intentions of running the quarterback. They were they were a very good goal line short yardage defense. They really stack it up in there. We thought we'd get the extra blocker with him. I, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have put him in there. He, he didn't see the whole play. We were in a wrong formation. So he got blown up on that. Then, you know, we went back to the Alex. But, you know, he, he handles that well. He, he's a, He's been the most loyal of, of anybody I've ever been around. You know, he could have left this program. A lot of people do. At quarterback, they don't stay long unless they're the guy. He stayed. He's waited his turn. His turn's still coming. Mason's been a great 
teammate to everybody. He and Flynn have been good friends. They've been in that room as the backups together. They formed a relationship like that. So I can't say enough good about him. I, there, there's going to be some good things happen for him. It's, I, I know people are probably tired of me saying that, but it is going to. If I didn't really believe that, I wouldn't bring it up. Something good's getting ready to happen for him. And, and you know, could be this Thursday, and, and we sure need a list. So we're ready for somebody to do it. So uh, just love the kid, love the way he's working, and I think he's still ready to go. All right, there is Donnie Kirkpatrick talking about Mason Garcia. There was also a he he told a Matt Hasselback story in the middle of that, so the answer was even longer. So we had to we had, we cut that out. But essentially, his point is Mason's still ready to go. And Donnie usually, I mean, he shoots it straight in these press conferences. So, I mean, and look, I'm out of practice. I know people are like, what do people see in this guy? I mean, he made a throw on Monday that it's just like, you just don't see quarterbacks that ECU makes. Uh, it was practice. And until he does it in a game, you know, it doesn't really matter. But there's a reason he's still around. Uh, clearly, Alex Flynn right now operating the offense more efficiently. He's the starter for a reason. Probably because they feel like they give he gives them the best chance to win. So I, I don't know, Bobby. What do you make of this Mason Garcia thing? It sounds like when he went in, the formation was wrong or something. I don't know. So they got to get on the same page if they're going to try to implement him. But they, you got you got to get his talent on the field somehow. Yeah, I think you need to. You know, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Was it the Rice game when we got in at the goal line? That's what he's talking about, right? Yeah, yeah so it's just yeah, got yeah. in the goal line. Flynn was stuffed, and then they put him in, right. and then he bobbled the snap. Yeah, that's where, you know, to me, the when uh, Flynn gets stuffed is the, the moment you have Mason right. in. But obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I am glad to hear Mason's being a good teammate, being a good sport about everything. Obviously he's been very hyped up throughout the offseason, kind of almost in a way been given the reins to the offense. Uh, you know, he's kind of been designated the starter from from. A, you know, they tried to make it a competition, but we all kind of knew it wasn't right. a competition. Um, so the fact that he's handling that well is good. Hopefully he gets some confidence, you know, in, in uh, this open week uh, throughout practice. I guess my thing is, even I know Donnie had said there in that clip that the game didn't lead to putting him in. And I don't know if he means that's because the score was still tight right. or because they weren't really moving the ball successfully offensively. So I'm curious kind of what he means there by the game wasn't right. What were they looking for specifically to put him in the game? Um, to me, I think getting some less less pressure on him, when you get between the 40s, maybe that's a good spot to put him in, uh, especially when we're crossing over, in, uh, over the 50 there. Give him a few plays. I, I honestly do think because of the talent, and you mentioned the throw on Monday, like there are glimpses that are there. I think if he can just find a way, a play or two to get some confidence, I think it could really take off from there. But it's when are when are those plays coming? Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen that in a live game to where he's been able to, you know, to to, to hit those throws in a game and then kind of like build off that. At least when the game is on the line, like there's it just seems like there's real no. Really, the entire offense, not just Mason, they can't sustain any momentum because they can't score touchdowns. Like you know, you, like back-to-back touchdown drives is how you like really get it rolling offensively, and they just can't do that. They can't hit big plays. You know, they can't hit a big play, score a touchdown, come back out, do it again. Like it's just it's like pulling teeth right now. Um, Michael Jones uh, says, could the coaches actually go into another season counting on Garcia without playing him a lot more this year? That sounds insane. I mean, I think by the end of the year. 
you, we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out if he's the guy or not. I you mean, have to know. Yeah, if you, it, it would be malpractice, and honestly, you you fans should be questioning the administration and the head coaching decisions if they go throughout this year, you know, without knowing what they have in Mason Garcia. Yeah, you got to find a way. Uh, Grant Matthews says, "I would be curious to know what practices are looking like from a receiver standpoint. You've got guys that coming." Into the season, we're not or we're supposed to be top notch, but have produced a lot of drops. Do you think we could see some younger guys get a shot this week? Really, there's not a ton of younger receivers. They're just not real deep at receiver. And you know, we've seen in practice Jalen Johnson, Josiah Hatfield catch the ball more consistently. Uh, but I've seen drops too, just in the you know the regular receiver drills they run at the start of practice. Y'all used to run them under uh, Lincoln as well, like a lot of similar practice habits offensively from that tree that Donnie Kirkpatrick has implemented. So, you know, you've seen some drops in practice. You're not going to go ever really a whole practice without drops. I mean, that's just kind of really something that doesn't happen a whole lot. If there's one guy I would like to see a little more of, really two guys, Josh Murphy is kind of a possession receiver. He always has shown good hands to me. He actually played with Mason Garcia in high school. Doesn't have elite athleticism, but I think he's going to catch the ball if he's open. And then also Keelan Robinson, Kansas transfer, a big kid, maybe somebody who could win a 50-50 ball. Um, look, I like Josiah Hepburn, I like Jalen Johnson, but they're seniors. They kind of are what they are right now. I think they can still contribute, but maybe give some of these other guys a shot as well. I agree. I, I'm intrigued by Josh Murphy. He was one that I had in the back of my head as well. I mean, honestly, at this point, who really cares how athletic they are if they can just catch the <laughs> catch ball? The ball so yeah. th- that's the most important. Uh, and they need to get some positive yardage offensively. Uh, Spalding is another one I'd like to see continue to be brought along. Uh, I believe there was a corner yeah. out in the end zone last game that he, you know, probably should have brought in. He always makes some practice. Yeah. So like, that's just one of those things, too. Sorry to cut you oh, off. Oh, you're but. good. No, yeah. I mean, that's bucket drill by the quarterback, and that's what they practice. And you talked about their their uh, pre-practice throwing stuff. You know, pat and go is what we called it, and that that's one of the things you work on is the high throw over the shoulder, you know, catching it over and f- tracking the football all the way in. So hopefully between Spalding, Murphy, continue to develop Chase, and then Keelan Robinson, like you said, is another one I want to see. I mean, that's the thing is Spalding's in on that on that play specifically designed to go to him because he makes that play in practice all the time. But he's a redshirt freshman receiver. You get into games with guys who have never played before. It's just a different world, man. So uh, hopefully he learns from that. I think he'll get another shot just like a lot of these guys. Uh, Brad Williams on Facebook says there is a 50% chance of beating SMU, but there is only a 10% chance of that. Now that is a what is that Sex Panther from yeah. uh, Anchorman? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting stat. Interesting stat there. Uh, Jay Searle says to, to that point, if the season goes south with three or four games left, you have to not only see a lot of Garcia, but also Jeter at quarterback. Speaking of Raheem Jeter and other positions, also yeah. I mean, if they go two and seven, yeah, uh, you know, two and six. It, I've always said once you're eliminated from bowl contention and you're not able to make a bowl at that point, you play the young guys. I agree with that, especially we mentioned it last week with um, Alex Flynn. I think that conversation needs to be had, too. What are you planning to do next year? Right. Um, because if he is planning to come back, you could probably rationalize playing Alex Flynn and continue to develop him. 
but I think regardless, you have to bring in a transfer uh, portal quarterback. Um, I think you have to make that a priority, and you have to tell the guy he's coming in to start or at least compete for the starting p- position. Let me rephrase that. You're coming in to compete right. for the starting position. You're not just giving it like JT Daniels wanted, but you are coming in to compete. All right, last thing on ECU-SMU before we move on. We'll take a break and then go into some other discussion. So East Carolina, we talked about it. chances of beating SMU. I think ESPN has it as like 85% chance SMU wins according to their – football power index, which I still don't know how that's calculated. But either way, I would give ECU a better shot than 15%. I mean, I would put it more at 30 35%. Playing at home, we talked about SMU traveling across the country. So how do you pull the upset if you're ECU? Uh, we'll start with Bobby. How do you think the Pirates can pull this upset? Limiting the big plays early from a defensive perspective. I think if SMU goes down the first two drives and puts points on the board, then it's going to be a long yeah. night. If you can can limit that, weather the storm, I think that's going to give the team some confidence as the game progresses. Um, I think they are going to have to develop a run game of some sort, at least be able to maintain uh, possession, <clears throat> possession, excuse me, and milk the clock um, because – too many of these drives that we've had and what gets us in trouble is they're three and outs and the clock's really not running. So then you're, you're putting the defense in a bind. Um, the other thing is I want to see a big play of some sort. Um, I know I mentioned two, and this is like Captain Obvious, and I feel like every uh, person always says this, you know, win the turnover battle. But it, to pull an upset, you have to win a turnover battle, and, and I think that holds true on Thursday. Yeah, I think you got to win it probably by multiple. I mean, it's just... The good news is SMU has not taken the ball away. They play pretty much base defense, and maybe they'll have a few wrinkles out of the bye. But, I mean, they don't bring a ton of pressure, don't disguise a ton because they're that athletic and good. They don't have to. Uh, but ECU's got to take care of the ball and then also force some turnovers, which Preston Stone, their quarterback, has been a little turnover prone, five picks through five games. All right, so we'll talk more ECU-SMU tomorrow. We'll have Mark Yellock on, uh, former staff member. On the same staff with Bobby Harwood under Ruff McNeil. And we'll have him on, and we'll have Joe Sampson on tomorrow as well. So we'll touch on SMU then. We'll, let's get our second break in. We'll come back. We'll take a look around college football. We'll talk MLB playoffs as well, as painful as it is for many of us right now. We'll get that done on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. That was so good. 94.3, the game. All right, welcome back to the show. We've talked a lot of ECU-SMU. Like, I mean, we dive into it. We did like 40 minutes of East Carolina-SMU. We, you know, we didn't get into like the matchups, but we'll have more coverage on hoistacolors.net. I'll be talking to uh, the guy who runs Pony Stampede on 24-7 Sports, Jordan Hoffaditz. I'm going to have a Q&A with him on hoistacolors.net, so check that out. Heading into tomorrow's game, we'll have uh, more coverage on tomorrow's show as well. But I want to talk some college football in general right now because uh, that's always fun to do, look around the country. Also talk MLB. Do you want to start with the painful MLB and get out of the way? Do you want to start with college football? As as enticing talking about UTEP FIU is, I think we should start (laughs) with MLB. Yeah, that'll be the action tonight. UTEP FIU, Sam Houston State, New Mexico State. But, okay, we'll start with the Major League Baseball playoffs. And we talked about it er earlier. The O's end up losing uh, to the Rangers. They get swept. And so 
This is like the most baseball thing ever, Bobby. The O's go all year without getting swept. They hadn't been swept since what calling up Adley Rutschman. Yep, yep. And they get swept their first playoff series in in years. That's just how baseball is sometimes, man. It's a cruel sport. It's very cruel. And and honestly, I was you know proud of myself last night. I I just sat on the couch, ate a brownie, watched brownie. the guy, watched the game, and just. Embrace the suck last night. I, I was, so you it, didn't turn it off. I didn't all? turn it off. No, I was like, you know what? They had too fun of a year to turn it off. Uh, I'm going to continue to support them all the way to the last out. So, watch the entire game, and uh, I'm ex- honestly just excited for next year. Hopefully, they'll spend some money in free agency. I love the hot stove in the off season. Yeah, so. it's the best. I, I, MLB, MLB hot stove. The winter meetings, uh, great time if you're a baseball yeah. fan to follow all that and all the trade rumors. And YouTube TV, bring back MLB Network, please. Yeah, this is ridiculous. That is, I just got YouTube TV and very disappointed that yeah. MLB Network is not a part. It's very hard to find these days. Uh, all right, so how about Atlanta winning the other day in the fashion they did? And we talked about it too. The, these teams that get the first round by can be problematic, and it's been problematic. I mean, the O's were swept. The Braves, like they were staring 0-2 in the face until their, their comeback. Uh, the Dodgers have looked like a minor league team against the Diamondbacks. Like, that's been an issue, and I think that is something MLB has to look into, like how to maybe shorten that gap between the the end of the regular season and the bye week. I think that affected those. It takes away your momentum. Um, but how about that Braves comeback, man? That was uh, that was a crazy game. That was pretty cool to yeah. watch. Yeah, I, I think I had turned it on. It was 4 nothing. I was like, oh man, I, I was going to text some Braves buddies and be like, hey, we're, we're right there with you. But <laughs> thankfully for their sake, the Braves came back. I had a, a good friend, Mike Johnson, who was at the game. Uh, so to, I couldn't imagine experiencing that live. That, that would be been cool. insane, man. Yeah. And I love that ballpark to uh, the whole area around it. Um, so t- tonight will be game three Braves, Phillies, Bryce Elder versus Aaron Nola. That'll be 5 07 Eastern. I get why they stagger these games, but like I'd be kind of mad if I was a Phillies fan having to go to a game at five o'clock. That, would, that would, wouldn't be ideal, dude. I don't know. I think Philly will kind you're of. Right. Mess the one I mean, place. Philly will. You're right. Philly will shut down yeah. just for a Phillies playoff game. But it's just like I don't know. I wouldn't want to deal with that traffic. Oh, for way. sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, poor Jeff Hoffman, ECU product, giving up the bomb to Austin Riley. I badly miscalculated. Uh, the potential split there. I thought ECU fans would be more ups- not upset, but like, you know, a little bit uh, split there as far as the ECU guy giving up the home run, the decisive home run, but apparently everybody is uh, pro pro sports over ECU. Dude, Braves fans reign supreme. I mean, even on the thread on your message board about yeah. MLB coming to North Carolina, all the Braves fans didn't want it. They can kick rocks. I want MLB in North Carolina. Yeah, I, I would support it. I, I think I'd still have to be a Mariners fan, but at least it would give me a team close by. Because, like, I mean, that's the thing is the Braves and the Nats and those are kind of the, the closest teams by. Uh, Houston is looking to win the series tonight. Uh, they face the Minnesota Twins at 7 o'clock. They won yesterday in big fashion, jumping on Sonny Gray. They're up 2-1 to one in the best of five. Astros, Rangers, I just don't want to see it, but it's looking like it's heading down that path. And do you think the Dodgers can hold off elimination as they go to Arizona tonight? No, I think the momentum is there in Arizona's favor. Um, I do. Shame on Rob Manfred for allowing the Astros to continue to win. This is embarrassing right now. Uh, I hate them probably more than any professional sports team out there. 
So that's that's part of it. But yeah, just seeing an Astros Rangers uh, ALCS is yeah. It's I'm honestly I am glad for Arizona. It's going to be fun to see a new team. Uh, so hopefully they can pull it out. They got some young players as well. Um, and hopefully they can finish the job. I'd love to see the Braves do it. I hate yeah. the Phillies as well. So I'm really pulling for Braves, Diamondbacks, and also uh, Twins somehow to return and win that series, but not counting on it. All right, college football. We'll continue to keep you updated on MLB. College football tonight, you got some Conference USA action. Thursday, ECU and SMU and Houston and West Virginia in a Big 12 matchup, the Dana Holgerson Bowl. And we'll see how many cuss words he says live on TV. As uh, usually when the, the when Dana's coaching the game, there's just one cameraman dedicated to following him and his antics on the sidelines. So uh, I'm always excited to see that. Unfortunately, that'll be going at the same time. Uh, Tulane, Memphis, that'll be the game of the week in the American. How about that one on Friday night, seven o'clock? That should be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a fun one on Friday for sure. A good measuring stick game to see who is the uh, top of the conference. Obviously, whoever wins that really sets themselves up nicely for the conference championship game. Yeah, and you know the slate this weekend is pretty good. The biggest game probably Oregon and Washington. That'll be a three thirty kickoff, top ten matchup, five and zero versus five and zero. ABC Washington is favored by three. So uh, you know the Pac twelve this year has been awesome, and so like I, I like too that these games are at in the middle of the afternoon and not. 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. For sure. I, I All I've heard about and read is about Washington's offense, and honestly, I haven't watched haven't them at all it. this year. Mm-hmm. So I am excited to see this one and then uh, see if uh, it was a Dan Lanning is uh, continue gonna, to back up all his talk to Deion Sanders and see how they uh, do against Washington. That'll be a fun matchup. I mean, there's so many Pac-12 or whatever whatever the conference is called now, I don't even know, Pac-2, uh, teams that are ranked Utah, and, you know, just look at some of these teams, Oregon and Washington, of course, Washington State in the top 25. I think Oregon State, yeah, they host UCLA this weekend. That'll be a fun game. And that's an 8 o'clock kickoff on Fox. NC State going to Duke is a sneaky, interesting game uh, because of uh, Riley Leonard being hurt. Probably won't play. Duke a three-and-a-half-point favorite there. USC going to Notre Dame. So this is a pretty good slate. Uh, even Louisville going to Pittsburgh, it's not a game Pittsburgh can't win. They're a seven-and-a-half-point dog. I, I'm expecting Louisville to get tripped up at some point. So um, any other any other of these games really catch your attention uh, as you look at the slate this weekend for Saturday? USC-Notre Dame is an obvious one. I think that's just such a r- rich rivalry that to have both of those teams back being so good. Um, you know, USC really escaped an upset last week against Arizona. Yeah. So are they going to respond? Obviously, Freeman is getting some heat, probably undeservedly, maybe deservedly for Notre Dame. But, dude, their schedule has been brutal. I was just about to say, and they've had – this is their fourth consecutive primetime Saturday night game. Like That adds up. People can say, oh, like the better team needs to win. But, like, having to go, like, primetime, getting every team's best shot each week, that, that that's tough to overcome after a while. Yeah, and I mean they're not NFL guys. They're yeah. dealing with school and stuff. You know, in the NFL it is like that every single week. But you know, these guys are having to focus on class and uh, different practice rules and those sort of things to help the body recover. I'm excited to see Carolina Miami Saturday night as well. That'll be another fun one. Um, see how even right below that on your screen, Missouri Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean that should be a pretty pretty decent game. Um, Missouri's. Lost a tight one to LSU. Kentucky obviously got smoked, and Stoops is calling out the NIL. But it, is, it should be a competitive football game. 
Did Miami's debacle bring back any bad memories? Oh my of ECU? gosh! Uh, it, it was even worse than what what happened with you guys. Oh, way UCF worse! Game. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, literally, the game was won. They take didn't. A knee. That's it. That's all they had to do. Uh, and you know, he has a little bit of history with that. I think some uh, uh, back when he was at Oregon. You know, that's still a little bit different because they could not run out the clock. Literally, right. all they had to do was just take a knee, just and take they, a knee. they're going to shake hands and give hugs at the center field. So, yeah, it's that Tough. was bad. All right, uh, we got to get a break in real quick. John Moody wants to know my thoughts of Edge making the jump to AEW. We're really approaching everything here. I just wanted to break up the football talk for you. Appreciate the question. Last night I watched AEW for the first time ever, and uh, I loved it. I, it brought me back to wrestling in like the 90s when I grew up, late 90s when I grew up watching, the early 2000s. Uh, really good scene. They're using Edge in a good way. He's back with Christian. So uh, I'm a big fan. I'd never watched AEW before. Huge Edge fan, so I'll be tuned in every week going forward. For anybody that cares about wrestling, there's my uh, I'm NWO talk. Red. The, oh, yeah? the Red Wolves, yep, that's me. The Sting, uh, Sting, I love Sting, so NWO Red was was my go-to growing up. There you go. Maybe we'll have more wrestling talk to close out the show on the other side. All right, let's get that final break in. We'll come back. We'll hit on any other uh, college football, final ECU thoughts, or NFL as well on this Wednesday edition of Hoist the Colors. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, wrapping up here on a Wednesday edition of Hoist the Colors. Want to make a few uh, quick announcements before we close up the show. Memphis is rolling into the ECU women's soccer facility tonight, Johnson Stadium. Big soccer game. The ladies are 8-2-3. and They're 3-0-1 and in conference. They're coming down the stretch of the regular season. They're hosting a top-10 Memphis team, so definitely get out to Johnson Stadium 7 o'clock tonight. This could be a huge win if they could pull it off against the Memphis Tigers. Also, on the women's basketball front, it's been announced that ECU, Kim McNeil's team, will host the South Carolina Gamecocks 12 noon on December 30th on ESPN2. So, major national TV audience with the Gamecocks rolling in the town, Bobby. That'll be that'll be a fun one. I know you're looking forward to hoop season for both the men and women, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Dude, that's impressive that they're getting the South Carolina Huge. women's team here. That's a big deal. I, You know, I'm looking at trying to take my daughter there. Uh, she's starting to, you know, get a little older and get into some sports. So that'll be a fun one. I mean, that's just, that's massive for them. So good, good for Coach McNeil and her staff and their team. Um, good for soccer. Honestly, if we didn't yeah. have a small group tonight, I'd, I'd be at that game because we, I had seen that on social Social media, media as well, and, and wanted to go, but um, that's exciting time. All the women's programs seem to be doing pretty, pretty yeah. good. Volleyball crushing it right now. They're all through their best start ever. So, really exciting stuff over at ECU, and uh, hopefully football can keep that going with a win on Thursday. Quickly, got about a minute left. NFL slate this weekend. Luckily, I will not have to watch the Denver Broncos on Thursday because I'll be occupied with the, uh, the ECU game as they take on the Chiefs. Panthers draw the Miami Dolphins. Will they give up 70? That's going to be ugly. I'm playing in my DraftKings lineup like all Dolphins Dolphins. (laughs) offensive players. That will be pretty ugly. Um, I don't think it will be that bad, but, uh, you know, uh, 70 points bad, but it won't be close. I I saw something. The spread is like 14 for for an NFL game. That's massive. Yeah, that is huge. And 
Do you feel like they get their first win here in the next few weeks, the Panthers, or is it going to be for a while? It's going to be – I mean, Gardner Minshew has the Colts rolling right now. That's probably the first one. I don't have confidence in beating the Texans after the bye week. Minshew and the Colts or Fields and the Bears, if they don't get it then, it's going to be really ugly. All right, we got to get out of here on this Wednesday. Bobby, thanks for the time as always. Yep, appreciate you having me. For Bobby Harward, Philip Pilkington, who has been producing the show, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been Hoist the Colors. We'll talk to you ahead of the SMU game, 12, 12 noon tomorrow. Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. Remember the days when you could go to your favorite butcher shop and get your pork chops or steaks cut just?